0: Welcome back, friends, to the Diocesan Digest, your favorite source for all things happening in the Diocese of Oklahoma. I'm your host, Susanna LeMasters, and today we are joined by the Reverend Tim Sean Eumens. He serves as the vicar of St. Edward the Confessor Chapel and the chair of the religion department at Cassidy School, as well as St. Paul's Cathedral's Canon for Youth and Families. Recently, Father Tim Sean wrote a new book, Blessed to Blessed. An introduction to the Bible, which seeks to train your Bible muscle and teach you how to read the Bible in many different ways. In this podcast, Father Tim Sean shares his love of the Bible, why he wrote this book, and how it can serve youth and adults. We are so excited to share this episode with y'all. So let's get into it. Welcome to the podcast, Father Tim Sean Humans. We're so excited to have you today.
1: I, th- this is fun. I'm really, I, I like this.
0: Good. Uh, well, so today we're going to be talking about blessed to bless, yeah. and yeah, let's let's get into it. What is this? And wh- who are you? Let's
1: talk about that <laughs> first. Who are you? <laughs> so I I'm a, a priest in the Diocese of Oklahoma, and have been so. This is I'm just starting my tenth year. In fact, yesterday was my my ordination anniversary, and so this is the beginning of my tenth year as a priest.
0: Oh, congratulations!
1: Yeah, I, you know, the joke I always make is that um, my midlife crisis was deciding to become an Episcopalian, <laughs> and then eventually, not long after that, an Episcopal priest, I was a Baptist pastor, uh, minister for about 20 years oh, wow. before I crossed over to the, the Episcopal church.
0: The dark sign, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: And I was primarily a Baptist youth pastor. Okay. So. Oh, and... So at the time, after, as I was being ordained, um, you know, usually your first, uh, your first assignment um, is, you know, the, bishop, the bishop's office sort of helps you figure out what that first thing is going to be. For a lot of people, it's a curacy. Mm-hmm. And uh, Bishop Ed, and uh, at the, who was the bishop at the time, we had conversations about, should I keep doing youth ministry or, you know, I was approaching midlife and was not cool anymore. Thank you for laughing at that. I always say when you're a youth pastor, when you're in your 20s, you're cool. When you're a youth pastor in your 30s, you're cool in an ironic way. And then once you cross 40, you're just not cool anymore, (laughs) no matter what you do. If you try to be cool, you're just pathetic. So anyway, so one of the options that eventually sort of came up was serving as a chaplain at Mm -hmm. our diocesan school in Oklahoma City. And that is a form of youth ministry that doesn't necessarily require to be cool. Right. Because <laughs> the kids are like, yeah, it's, yeah. anyway. So, um, so I started working here as an assistant uh, chaplain. And the, chap- the, the senior chaplain at the time, Father Charles Blizzard, mm, Yes, he said one of the things that we're looking for this person to do is to create a curriculum for our, our middle school kids which here is fifth grade through eighth grade. And that curriculum is going to be a survey of the Bible. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. So I dove in and the plan was that you would create the, anyway, I dove in and, and uh, started building that curriculum. And a couple years into it, after we'd sorted, it started to take shape. You know, in fifth grade, you kind of covered this, sixth grade, you know, Um, it started to develop an arc, kind of a beginning and an end. I had this idea um, that there were some parents who said, I would love to take your class Mm. that my child is taking. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, well, and I always said to them, you know, you visit any day. Mm -hmm. I even set up a little coffee table for any visitor that wanted to come and participate. And, but then I had this idea that I could sort of do this class with a, with a blog. Yeah. And, I like that. and an email. And so I, I sent out an invitation to our, our school community and said, anybody who might be interested in taking Father Human's Bible class, it's going to be offered, you know, via a blog and then we'll meet up occasionally and talk about what they're reading Mm-hmm. And what that essentially was, was I, I that each blog entry was kind of a, what we would typically do in one day's class. Right. And. I thought I would get maybe 15 parents who would be interested and it was like 90. Wow. Yeah. In fact, wow. Kind of scared me. <laughs> I bet. Because, you know, religion. Mm -hmm. touchy yeah um it's one of the you know two things you're not supposed to talk about in polite society and religion and politics so here i was going to start a conversation about the bible and religion with you know all these parents who some i knew better than others anyway but that became those blog entries and those emails became kind of the the guts Mm. of what eventually became this book
0: It's a very interesting journey to the beginning of the book. Um, And so I think my question is, was that the main philosophy behind it? What was the philosophy behind creating it?
1: You know, I think that's an always moving target for me, um, which might surprise some people to hear a priest say that, that, and it's sort of the, why, why does the Bible matter? Right. Why should I pay attention to it? Why should I invest time in trying in reading it and trying to understand it? And what's interesting about you know working in an Episcopal school, we have a lot a lot of our families are Christian, but they're all different flavors. Yeah, and then we have kids who are Muslim. We have a good, really vibrant Muslim population at Cassidy. Same with the, our Hindu families, uh, a few Jewish families but then also a lot of families who just don't go to church and part of a teacher's job is to convince their students the best that you can why this matters. Right. And so I had to answer that question all the time. And I think it's a question for, you know, for anybody who's listening to this podcast, who's thinking, oh, well, I'm interested in this book and I'd like to know more about the Bible, the so what of the Bible, does it matter? Um, and so I think I have an answer to the question. But, it, but again, it's a moving target of why, why the, the Bible matters.
0: Right. I think it's it's interesting because there's stories that don't make a whole lot of sense. And sometimes it's tough to understand what you're reading. Um, But having a book like yours can help explain that um, to adults as well. Um, And I think how has your, how has your book helped um, adults, but also the youth that you're helping in, in, in your classwork?
1: Yeah. So that's a great, that's a. I, I, I appreciate that question because particularly as I was working with um, church publishing, to publish this book, you know, you're trying to identify your target audience. Right. And the way that we, we marketed the book was uh, a book for preteens and teenagers yeah. with the caveat that if you're an adult who's interested in diving into the Bible, that this is a book for you. Uh, yeah, it's always trying to strike that balance. you know you can get some books that are written for adults that are you know I think the term people use a lot is dense. You really have to hunker down to understand, and you also you also have to bring some previous you know knowledge about the Bible to get what the person's writing and saying and so this is a book for you know <laughs> it was. It came out of uh, trying to create an approach for 10-year-olds to 14-year-olds, but there's that fun game show that was on a few years ago, Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader?
0: Right, yeah. <laughs> Love that show.
1: Yeah. I, honestly, and I'm really not just saying this to try to get more people to buy the book. If, if the Bible just seems like, I don't even know how, where to begin, then yeah, bless the blesses I think a pretty uh, it's, it strikes a balance between acknowledging the complexities that you mentioned, mm-hmm. strangeness, and not trying to say everything. Because if you try to say everything, that's when you're going to get in the weeds and people are going to tap out. So, yeah, it's a book for adults. Who don't know much about the Bible, but would, but are interested.
0: Mm-hmm. Speak more on kind of how the flow of the book goes. Where do we start?
1: How do we end? So that question actually kind of maps into the previous answer or discussion we were just having. You know, I teach the Bible portion for our diocese. Our, our school for deacons, our formation for deacons and bivocational priests. I'm Tim Sean, the Bible Don. <laughs> and the way that the seminary in Texas, Southwest Seminary, approaches teaching the Bible to seminarians is by starting kind of during this period when the Bible was collected and edited. I mean, you could say written, but it's really more complicated than that. Again, that's the weeds. When was the Bible written? Oh, well, I mean, how much time do you have? That's, that's a really complicated question. Right. And so the debate was, do we teach? Do they, they sort of start with a time when it was compiled and kind of work forwards and backwards from that period. That can be confusing.
0: Right.
1: It can be. Most people, the way they see the Bible is it starts with Genesis and Adam and Eve and then Abraham and Sarah, and sort of eventually you get to Jesus and all the scary revelation stuff, and then you're done. It's chronological. And so all things considered, this survey of the Bible follows that arc. Okay. It's a chronological reading, and there are complexities to that how that how that story and that chronology were put together but I don't really get into it much in the book that's kind of the like the the next thing for somebody like okay I get the story now now I'm more now I have some interest in how that story was put together
0: Mm -hmm.
1: that would be step that would be somebody else's book
0: so not a whole lot of like commentary on why it was put together
1: no, and not because I don't think that that's interesting mm-hmm. or important, but just because, you again, you, you can't do it all.
0: So I think that leads me to a question of, what do you think um, might be challenging for youth? And then we can answer that question for adults as well um, when reading or trying to um, use your book as reference.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so the way that Episcopalians have approached kind of biblical, how to understand the Bible or interpret it is they think of it kind of through three lenses that you look through and one that they call it's the world of the, of the text of the story. Mm -hmm. And that's just, you know, when you read it, you're trying to understand who are the players, what's going on, what are some of the cultural traditions that are really obvious in the story that need explaining, explaining what's happening. Can I understand it? Sometimes you can, and sometimes it's a puzzle that you need clues to help you figure out. Right. Uh, and that's the second lens. That's called the world behind the text. And that requires a little bit more work. Uh, so you know those Bibles, you've seen them. They've got this actual text of the Bible up top, and then down low, they've got um, what I sometimes call, it's the answers.
0: Like, right. Kind of like the Spark Bible. hmm Yeah.
1: Yeah. So that's the world. It gives, they give you a little bit of peek, by, so like for <laughs> trying to give an example um, and the one that came to mind, I don't know if I should say, um, <laughs> you know, anytime in the Bible where there's somebody who's talking about uh, uncovering someone's feet, that's an allusion to a romantic dalliance.
0: That's very interesting. I did not know that.
1: Right. See so I you know, have no
0: idea. That yeah. is
1: interesting. And then what's interesting about that is so sometimes sure. you'll say, you, you realize that, you go, okay, I see, they're kind of hooking up. And then in some other story, the feet are involved, and you go, well, no, wait, does this mean that they're hooking up? And, and you realize, no, no, in this situation, it's just, it's just feet. <laughs> but that's just an example of the world behind the text that helps you understand what's going on. And then the third lens is the world in front of the text. Mm. And that's usually what people think the Bible does immediately and simply and quickly is connecting these stories to, to life today. Right. And without question, there are stories in the Bible that you can immediately go, this is, this means I should do this or I should think this way. But most of the stories in the Bible, it's not that direct and simple. The world in front of the text or how, how does this apply takes a little bit of thoughtful sensitivity. Um, but Bless the Bless tries to introduce people to that. Um, what we call at school, we call it the skill. We want students who take the class to have some basic ability to connect the story to their life. Yeah, these ancient stories, as you said earlier, kind of weird stories.
0: When you when you talk it, when you say the world behind the story, that makes sense to me because that's how I try to view it. But as a youth, I mean, that was really tough for me. I took it very literal. Mm-hmm. And I think that this book can help kids in youth ministry and youth groups really start to understand that. So yeah. I'm interested, in kind of like, have you seen like kids who did not understand the Bible at all and took it very literal. Have you seen them change their perspective?
1: So that makes me laugh because, so again, we're out of school, and so we, you know, fifth grade through eighth grade, and you know, as I said, we teach it chronologically. So we begin with Genesis, which so right out of the gate we're talking about the six-day creation, right, with a, with a day of rest, thank goodness, and. <laughs> that happened if you sort of do the the math, the historical math, which is, you know, loose, then the earth, according to the Jewish calendar, is about 6,000 years old. Mm -hmm. We introduced to our students, who again come from all these different traditions and no religious tradition, that you can read this story literally, which is probably how it was thought when it was written, the world of the text. But then you can also look at it symbolically representatively allegorically and we're teaching that to fifth graders yeah and it's interesting because it's pretty clear when we're doing that that some of them get it right and most most of them don't
0: interesting
1: how do you know or if they well because we test them on it and there's a question on the first test that says you know the first 11 chapters of genesis can be you know read literally symbolically or a combination of the of both Uh, choose a story from that we've read Mm. and tell us uh, how it's best interpreted using one of these three uh, approaches and then some kids just knock it out of the park Mm. you know who's really good at it just like generally speaking are hindu kids
0: oh that's interesting
1: because their tradition is just stories like all kinds of symbolic stories Mm So all that to say, so the kids kind of get it. And then years later, when the issue comes up again, is the earth 6,000 years old? Was it six literal 24-hour days? It mm-hmm. was it representative of the scientific view? They have forgotten that there's a variety of ways to read it. And they've gone back to the literal, like sort of you saying when you were a kid. Yeah. I just assume it has to be this way. There's something in us sort of instinctively that just goes back to that simple, you know, all or nothing thinking.
0: For a lot of um, kids who maybe grew up in the Episcopal church, reading the Bible versus then going home, reading and going to school and reading those texts, those are very literal. And so moving your brain from that to then something that can be read in many different ways can be tough. Mm-hmm. But I think it's very interesting that you're teaching it because I think that can help people not only with just reading your book, but also other books, because there is a lot of different ways that you can read and view something. It's just not taught in our society as much.
1: Right. So a big a big uh, sort of like watershed marker of our mm-hmm. class is the Jewish tradition of midrash, mm. and I have fallen in love with the concept. What is that? So midrash, midrash is the it, it translated from Hebrew. It, it just means to interpret, to understand. Mm-hmm. And there's a process in their tradition where they would, I mean, always I be careful how I use this word, but they would like literally <laughs> um, put a story in the middle of a page, and then they talk about it. Mm -hmm. What do you think this means to the people who wrote it? What do you think they intended for us to take from it? Do you agree with that? And it's just this huge, you could call it an argument, but it's really just this huge uh, discussion about the possibilities of what the story means. And you write all of those possibilities in the margins around that thing in the middle. I, at some point realized you could, we do this every day. Yeah. Something happens to you, right? It's a story, but it's a thing that happened to you. And most of us will get on, we'll text a friend or when I get home from, from work uh, you know, my wife will say, well, how was your day? And I'm like, Oh, you can't believe this thing happened to me. Today. Mm-hmm. And I'm throwing that story kind of in the middle of a page. And then she's working, we're working together to f- understand What's its significance and what does it mean? So the way that this is fleshed out at, at our school and is in the book is interpreting biblical stories get, builds the muscle to interpret all kinds of stories. Yeah. Including the story of your life. So when you, read, when you read a novel, you're doing this. Like that author probably has some takeaways that they want you to have. Some authors might argue, you know, that they're not being heavy handed that way, but some are. If you watch a film, I love songs and songwriting. I've written songs. I usually have an agenda for my listener. So, and I've used this to try to say to our secular kids, the ones who aren't religious, this is the value of doing midrash with the Bible as it teaches you how to do it with your life.
0: What has that this process of creating this book in Midrash? What has that done for you and your own self discovery and um, being able to connect that with your life?
1: You know, as you you alluded to earlier, the Bible, as you know, to quote the poet Walt Whitman, if you were to personify the Bible, you know, Walt Whitman talked about people and himself, but he was he I think he meant people too that he contains multitudes, and the Bible is in so many places just so incredibly beautiful yeah stunning and the imagery is striking Um, and then there's places where it's just confounding you know when I came into the Episcopal church as a Baptist I was teased because I you know oh you know the Bible now after teaching this class but when you teach that class you're reading through the Bible with kids three times a year and I will tell you it will mess with you in beautiful ways and really hard ways, you know. You talk about transformation, the Holy Spirit working through biblical story. When you do that, it it shapes your imagination, your your view of the world. Now, I know most people don't have the time to do that. The other piece to me is, and and I, people tease me about it here at Cassidy, is it's made me more Jewish. And I I also serve as as a, a the is you know, sort of a part-time canon for youth and families at the cathedral. Mm -hmm. And so I am in the preaching rotation there. And the church members at St. Paul's tease me about that because I really, I I am always teaching and preaching about the world of the text Mm -hmm. and that Jesus was beautifully Jewish. Right. And he was stretching his Jewish tradition and he was sort of imbuing new meaning into it mm-hmm. and you can understand Jesus and benefit from him without understanding his Jewishness but boy so my my reading of the bible and diving into the world of the text and behind the text has made me really fall in love with Jesus's Jewishness what do you love about this book the most so it kind of kind of goes back to that I was talking about the so what hmm uh, Um, the world in front of the text like what does this why does this matter to me in every chapter I try to end the chapter by doing a little bit of that work right and making one or two suggestions of how this connects to the world in front of the text the reader's world but I I, that's not the only way to connect it Mm -hmm. and I think if if someone were to to read the book, I think at the end they would start to have their, their own muscle. Right. To understand, well, here's a this is I talk about abstract ideas that are that are floating from the story, like love, commitment, forgiveness, intransigence, you know what like. And then you take that idea and you apply it to your life. And Mm -hmm. that's what I'm most proud of.
0: Building that muscle, especially for youth, that's something that fascinated me about this book and what we're talking about can help continue to connect them with the church. Is that kind of what you see? Well, so
1: here's the, here's the challenge of that is understanding the Bible I could say that a cool metaphor for that would be it's like climbing a mountain, but that it's not, it's like climbing a mountain range. And so for our, our teenagers and young adults, you know, the bad news is if you want to benefit a lot from the Bible, you got to dive in,
0: right? You sort of
1: have to make it kind of a, it's not a, Like if you read Bless to Blessed sort of straight through and you didn't even read the the scripture texts that I ask people to read in every chapter, you'd benefit from that. Mm -hmm. Um, But then you got to keep going.
0: Yeah. It's just the starting point.
1: Yeah. So the challenge I've always felt, whether it's as a school chaplain with the kids here or with our kids at St. Crispin's or at church, is I'm just giving them tastes Mm -hmm. of that. Of that process. And, you know, in schools, we talk about educators who might be listening to this. You know, there's the, the idea of durable learning, sticky learning. How do you make something stick? And it's a, a mystery that eludes us. There's lots of things you know that you don't know how you know them. And so I, I realize that there's a challenge. So if there's, you know, youth directors or youth pastors that, think I, I want to use bless to bless with our students you know what usually happens with a curriculum like this is you get if you're lucky a third of the way in and then it's like squirrel yeah or they they just don't have the patience and uh, there's a leader's guide that I wrote for church publishing that's available for free at their website with the book that gives suggestions on how to condense mm-hmm. um, for Sunday school in fact I sort of give a a map for if you wanted to do bless to bless during a Sunday school year. Uh, here's some suggestions on how to. Yeah, there's, there's some other things in the book that like we're getting ready to do this at St. Paul's, I think next year. Uh, um, I I don't know that I came up with this. I I came up with this on my own, but then I've seen other people do s- the similar thing. Um, so, but it's it's big, dividing the Bible into seven. Or eight stages. And we're going to be asking our kids and their parents mm. and anybody else who we can sucker into it
0: yep.
1: um, to, to memorize the, the eight stages of the Bible. Wow. And what that does for the long haul is it gives you mental shelves. Okay, I know this story, I think it goes on this shelf. And then this one goes on this shelf, and if people do that enough, then you begin to see. Well, like you know, when people say, "Well, uh, I don't," this story just seems like it doesn't represent God. And people, right. Oh well, that's that was in the Old Testament. That was before God was nice. Well, that's a shelf, right? You're. It's a. So you're thinking, okay, so God was interacting differently with people at this stage, or they thought He was. And I, th- I think that's a tool, that. Um, helps people organize the strangeness and the beauty of the bible
0: yeah kind of categorizing inside that muscle yeah that they're working to build yeah
1: i could give you the eight stages right now if you want so you've got the creation stories which include the garden of eden and cain and abel and all that and then you have the story of abraham and sarah and all of their kin it's abraham and sarah isaac and rebecca jacob Rachel, jaleah but like those genesis stories that's stage two and then stage three is moses and the exodus and the wilderness where they're getting the Torah and the law stage four is the conquest of canaan which is a really scary part of the bible yeah very violent that's a that's a phase and then you've got the monarchy which is david saul david and solomon um, and then you have the period of the prophets which is when the the kingdom split and they started predicting that a Messiah would come. And then finally you have the period of the Messiah, which is the new Testament and Jesus. So, so if you've got those stages, they give you mental shelves to organize the stories. Yeah. I'd love to give all of our teenagers, like make them memorize that in the diocese.
0: Where can people get this book besides church publishing, as well as the the leader guide?
1: So, yeah, Church Publishing, you can get it there. You can also get it at, uh, you know, Jeff Bezos is selling it at his joint, Mm -hmm. Amazon.com. Always encourage people to choose Amazon Smile.
0: Amazon Smile, yeah.
1: And so you can get it at those two places. And we also sell them at the Cathedral Bookstore.
0: Awesome. And can you get, it's called the Leader Guide?
1: That can help. Church Publishing.
0: That's a Church Publishing thing. Yeah. Awesome. And you can get that included, and it can help um, youth ministers and people maybe leading small groups.
1: Yes. And I did this with a group of adults at St. Paul's. Uh, we finished. It took us two years, and we met every Sunday, most Sundays. It was a hoot. People are surprised, often delighted by things in the Bible, but mm-hmm. sometimes a little freaked out yeah yeah like there's a story where god wants to kill moses because he's mad at him mm-hmm. i'm not going to tell you more about that i'm just gonna that <laughs> but it but if you do the midrash with that story it's fascinating and it see i'm doing it <laughs> it 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 lifts up zipporah his wife that wow, what
0: what is the title what does that mean
1: b2b blessed to blessed As we say around uh, around school, so there's a I think a very foundational story for the whole arc of the Jewish scriptures into Jesus, and that's the call of Abraham and Sarah. Mm -hmm. And God says something. He says, "I want you to leave the land where you feel secure with your dad, um, and I want you to move to a new land that I'll show you," which is scary. And he said, "And uh, but I'll be with you." And anybody who's mean to you, I'll, I'll curse them. Mm-hmm. Anybody who's, you know, who blesses you, I'll bless. And then he says something I think it's really peculiar. He says, and through you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. You talk about pressure. Yeah. But I think it's pointing to this larger idea of, you know, the ability of individuals, families, communities, and cultures To be a blessing culture. Now, from a Christian point of view, Jesus really helps fulfill this because Jesus is now, you know, he represents God offering his grace to all cultures, all people. And so that's ultimately fulfilled in the coming of Jesus. But it can also be applied to anybody. You know, the blessings that God gives us are something that we can turn around and use to bless others. Yeah. And so that's the golden thread of the Bible. I think that I think it, it eventually leads to Jesus. You know, if you like, when you pull the thread from your shirt,
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's going to, when you get to the end of the thread, there's going to be Jesus there. You're <laughs> like, Hi, welcome. <laughs> All the families of the earth. Let's go do it. My main encouragement to people is if, again, if the Bible is a mystery to you and confounding, you know, each chapter asks you to read about three chapters of the Bible, mm-hmm. then read the, the, sort of the commentary that, that I do. I'll say to people, I, I say in the introduction of the book, don't skip reading the Bible. If you start the, if you get this book and you start to move through it and you start to get start to get that feeling like I'm going to tap out. Then I give you permission to skip the Bible reading and mm-hmm. just move through the chapters and uh, until you get to a place where you get your curios- your curiosity gets piqued again and you want to dive into the the biblical Text the world of the text.
0: That natural curiosity can guide you back. Yes,
1: and then you know there's a tradition in our church of reading the daily office. That's a practice that if you do it, you know you're 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 just. It's like they say with the language. Once you learn a language, if you stop using it, you'll forget it.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. That's true with the Bible too. So if you get this introduction and you have the sort of the mental shelves but then you just keep reading. You, you learn to speak the language.
0: Well, thank you so much, Father Tim Sean humans for joining us today.
1: It's really been good to have a conversation about it. If anybody is has questions or wants to chat, it's easy to find me. Awesome.
0: Okay. We can, yeah, go to the St. St. Paul's Dot org. Right. Yep and you can find Tim Sean's contact information.